The following pre-recorded program is sponsored by We Know Medicare. Welcome to We Know Medicare, keeping you in the know on all things Medicare and providing you a wide range of options and valued advice for improving the quality of your health care and your life. Get unbiased direction, along with valuable tips and tools for achieving the best health care plan available for both you and your loved ones. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and enjoy. It's We Know Medicare. And now, here's Dan Larry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. I have a treat for you all today, uh, and it's this is such an honor for me as well. Um, Let's welcome Chris Snyder, the Director of Communications for the Alzheimer Foundation of America. Chris, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Dan. Thanks for having me on. You know, uh, Alzheimer's, that's really a huge topic for folks. And, and, and for us, for our listeners, just uh, the Alzheimer's Foundation of America, their mission is to provide support, service, education to individuals, families, caregivers affected by Alzheimer's disease and related dementias nationwide and fund research for better treatment and cures. And, and thank you for being part of that, Chris. I really, our audience needs this information. And, and I think to tee it up, let's start with the basics of this. What is Alzheimer's disease? Because there seems to be a huge catch, and people aren't really sure. Yeah, Alzheimer's disease is a term that I think most people have heard of before, but they may not really understand what it is. There is a tremendous misconception that Alzheimer's disease is a normal part of aging, and it's just something that happens to everybody as they get old. And you'll hear comments from people sometimes as they're getting older or or they start forgetting things, and you hear, oh, well, you, you must be getting Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is not a normal part of aging. Alzheimer's is a progressive degenerative brain disorder that impacts memory and other critical cognitive functions. It is not something that just happens as you get older. Uh, and, and there is a difference between regular, normal memory lapses and something like Alzheimer's disease. So, for example, every now and again, it's perfectly normal that you forget where you put your keys. That happens to all of us. But if you start experiencing memory loss that is persistent, that it's worsening, and that it's really starting to impact facets of daily life, that's when you may have a potential memory problem that you should get checked out by a physician. Well, you know, and that's great information, Chris. Thank you for, for that. And and I think one of the things that would be helpful uh, to understand is, like, what are some of the signs and symptoms of Alzheimer's? Well, I mentioned before that it's perfectly normal to forget your keys every now and again, and you misplace them. If you start forgetting them all the time and maybe you're placing them in places they really have no business being, like if they're in the oven or the freezer, or if you forget what your keys are, that's a, that's a big warning sign that you may have a potential memory problem. It's perfectly normal every now and again if you're walking into a room and you say, why did I come in here? You know, that, that happens to all of us. But if you're really getting disoriented about time and place and immediate environment, maybe you don't know where you are, why you're there, how you got there, that's a potential warning sign. If you're getting lost, 
driving to familiar destinations. Let's say you go to the same grocery store every Saturday for 20 years, and it's just up the block from your house, and you get lost. That's a potential warning sign as well. And one of the most important things that people can do is make memory screenings part of their regular health and wellness routine. Just like we get regular screenings for blood pressure, cholesterol, there's different screenings for men, different screenings for women, you need to get a checkup from the neck up as well, regardless of whether you're experiencing memory problems, but especially if you're experiencing memory problems. And what a memory screening is, is it is a non-invasive, quick test. It just takes a matter of minutes, and it's conducted one-on-one with a screener who asks you a series of questions. And there's a baseline score. If you're above the baseline score, the screener will say, you're above the baseline, come back in a year. If you're below the baseline score, then the screener would suggest that you go see a physician for a more comprehensive evaluation. The memory screening itself does not diagnose any particular condition, but it's an important early detection tool to uncovering a potential memory problem. And the Alzheimer's Foundation of America offers them for free with no minimum age or insurance prerequisites. We offer them through secure video conference technology, and we're also going to be offering them at an educational conference we're having in Seattle on June 14th. And information about all these services is available on our website, which is alzfdn.org, or by calling our office at 866-232-8484. You know, that's really great information. And and I think that educational conference is really important for folks. And you know, the attendees are going to get a lot out of it. Are you going to have like uh, breakout sessions and, and people talking about this along with, you know, other services there? You know, what, what are they going to get out of it besides some of the information you gave us already? There's going to be three different speakers. They're each going to have a session. And at the end of each session, there's a Q&A portion where the audience can ask questions of the speakers who are all experts in their respective fields. So, The first session we're going to have is going to be a general overview of Alzheimer's disease, talking a little bit more in depth about some of the signs and symptoms that we were just talking about now. Also, demographics about Alzheimer's disease, risk factors for Alzheimer's disease, who may be more likely to develop Alzheimer's, but also lifestyle choices that can help reduce your risk of developing a dementia-related illness. We're going to have a session on estate planning and talking about the importance of it and and what it can do because Yeah, I mean, estate planning is not just something that you should do to determine how your assets are distributed after you pass away, especially if you're dealing with with dementia or other health conditions. There are health, legal, and financial decisions that should be documented, you know, to make sure that they go the way you want them to go and and that you have a a great say in your care plan and that your voice is heard. And it's not something you want to leave up to your loved ones to have to have them try to interpret or or guess at what you may have wanted. It's better to just document it and say, "Here's, here's what I want, here's how I want things to go so that they go the way you want them to go. And then also we're going to have a session on how dementia affects communications and because obviously as a cognitive disorder it it impacts the brain and your ability to communicate in different relationships so there's going to talk there's going to be talk about that but also different strategies that 
caregivers can use to help increase understanding, strengthen relationships, minimize conflicts, and deal with uh, challenging behaviors. So all of this is taking place on June 14th at the Kimpton Hotel Monaco, Seattle from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And it's totally free. It's open to everybody. All you have to do is visit our website at alzfdn.org slash tour. And I would strongly recommend that you register in advance. Uh, advanced registration closes June 12th at noon. So don't wait. Register now to make sure your spot is reserved. <clears throat> That's awesome. So, you know, uh, if people have any concerns, questions, or let's say they want some type of service, how, let, tell us again how they can contact your office. We have a helpline, which is available seven days a week. It is staffed entirely by licensed social workers who are specifically trained in dementia care. So if you have a question that you don't want to wait until June 14th, or maybe you can't make it to the conference, but you still have questions, call us, please. It's uh, 866-232-8484. You can also reach us through text message by sending a text to 646-586-5283, or you can web chat through our website, which is alzfdn.org. The text message and web chat features can serve individuals in more than 90 different languages as well. So if you know someone who speaks uh, another language other than English and they need help and support, they can get it in real time without language being a barrier. That's amazing. And those are great services. And I really liked your comment, uh, check up for the neck up. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think this is something that a lot of folks uh, <clears throat> sometimes maybe even uh, hide. And I know when my father-in-law was, when we were noticing him doing things, and uh, one of the things that we saw really odd was him trying to put out the electric burner with a sponge wet sponge uh, because he thought it was too hot and that would cool it down. And then putting keys uh, in <clears throat> the washing machine or putting keys other places. And very interesting uh, when you come home to find groceries put in the garage and not in the refrigerator. So uh, it is a something that affects really a, a huge number of people out there. Chris, do you know how many people estimated are impacted by this across the United States? Is that something you would know? Yeah, right now there's more than 6 million people across the United States living with Alzheimer's disease, and that's according to the CDC. In Washington, there's about 120,000. But the, the other thing to know, too, is this number is growing. So the CDC projects the number of people living with Alzheimer's to more than double by 2060 if a cure is not found. And as, as you mentioned, it, it's not just the person living with the disease that's impacted. It's their families because yes. they're going to have family caregivers or they're going to have other loved ones that are caring for them as well. And, and there are real significant impacts to caregivers who are basically on call 24-7. It's an unpaid yes. labor of love. And, and they need help and support, too. And that's why we are holding this conference on June 14th, to, to provide them with some knowledge and, and tools that can help them. But also, again, that's why we have a helpline. That's why we have all these other different services. And we strongly, strongly encourage, I cannot stress it enough, that caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's is not something that anybody 
can do on their own, nor should they try to. You need help, you need support, you need a team, and there are a number of services available to help you, and they're free. So please take advantage of them. And again, you can reach our helpline, 866-232-8484, seven days a week. That's awesome. And you know, it is really important because um, with that growing number, uh, hopefully, you know, and, and hope is not usually a strategy, but we have to hope for a cure with this or at least to be able to get a handle on it. And it impacts so many people. And being a, a caregiver in the past for this, this is really, it's a toll on one. And <clears throat> uh, caregivers, it's really important to have a care plan and to have that as you notice that progression. And I'm, Chris, I'm glad you guys are talking about that at the conference and doing the planning because we talk to clients about that, making sure you have your health care, your, your wishes, uh, you know, set. So I, I really appreciate you, Chris, being on the show. This is great information. And give us, again, the date of your conference so our listeners can attend. It is Wednesday, June 14th. It is at the Kimpton Hotel, Monaco, Seattle. It's taking place from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's free. It's open to everybody. All you have to do is visit our website, alzfdn.org slash tour, or you can call our office at 866-232-8484 to register in advance of the conference. And just, again, advanced registration closes June 12th at noon. Just get a hold of us before then and reserve your spot. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. All right, everybody. We've been talking to Chris Snyder of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. We're going to take a break. Stick around. in a name. No, we're not referring to roses, but everything you need to know about Medicare. We know Medicare. That's their name. If you're 65 or older, we know Medicare is your resource for Medicare insurance. We know Medicare specializes in all Medicare related products because one size does not fit all. Changes in Medicare plans occur every year. What's Part D? What's Medicare supplement insurance? Does my current insurance cover my needs? Do I have to change doctors with my new insurance plans? Does the plan include prescriptions? There are are many options out there. We know Medicare can help you understand the differences and find the right plan for you. Their goal is to help protect your health and finances by choosing the right plan. What's in a name? Well, a lot with We Know Medicare, your advocate for health care needs. Learn more at WeKnowMedicare.org. Then call them and request a no-cost consultation. 877-346-2060. That's 877-346-2060. 877-346-2060. We know Medicare may not offer every plan in your area. Any information they provide is limited to the plans they do offer in your area. Please contact Medicare.gov or 1-800-MEDICARE to get information on all your options. And now more of We Know Medicare with Dan Larry. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you topped off your coffee. <clears throat> wow, that was really great getting to talk to uh, Chris from the Alzheimer's Foundation. Um, really great information. And it's always a, an honor and a pleasure to have folks on like that who can really talk to us about us and our health care and also talk to us about being caretakers and, and you know how it affects us as well. And so with that, you know, I, I want to 
talk about planning and having a little assertiveness uh, because they are the keys to winning the waiting game. And and when we're going to talking about this, I'm talking about how family caregivers can limit medical office delays, right? So, you know, this is going out to all you folks that are caretakers out there and, and anyone that has a caretaker, um, you know, it's a two way street for support. So with that, uh, you know, you know, and I've been here myself with my mom and any family caregiver who has spent a long stretch in an outer waiting room, followed by another long waiting wait in an exam room, uh, while, you know, uh, you have someone who feels vulnerable that's shivering like in a paper gown. And you know that frustration and it's annoying. And these long in-person waits can particularly be trying when someone is very uh, frail or ill or has a condition such as dementia or incontinence. And, uh, you know, long waits on the phone with providers and insurers uh, can be their own kind of purgatory, if you will, as well. But there are ways to limit those weights and deal with them when they happen. Um, so some of that is is a little extra planning and a, a little what I like to call polite assertiveness. And it can go a long way towards uh, easing tensions and minimizing delays. <clears throat> and, and that's the communication among the caregivers, patients, and the staff. So if you work with them, uh, they'll typically work with you. So, so let's talk about some of the tips for avoiding long waits. Um, time the calls to your calls to avoid the busiest hours. So, you know, if it can be avoided, don't call late in the day uh, when most of the staffs are dealing with accumulated demands, right? So try calling as soon as the, line goes off a voicemail. So if they open at eight, start calling first thing in the morning or right after lunch, right? Right first thing in the morning as they're opening or right as they're coming back from lunch. Except for Mondays, um, I can just tell you, Mondays are when the offices are overwhelmed with calls about the weekend problems. Um, And if you're calling an insurer, uh, all bets on timing can be off. Um, most of the time the calls are going to go to a call center in a different time zone and sometimes even a different country. So, you know, timing your calls to your doctor's offices and to the insurance companies uh, are are important. And Mondays generally are busy. That doesn't mean you should never call on a Monday if it's life-threatening or whatever. Um, But really, you know, first thing in the morning, right after lunch, uh, and try to avoid Mondays to not have to sit for a long time on the phone, avoiding the busiest hours. And you want to make use of patient portals and email. Um, the best way to avoid endless automated phone prompts and and holds is to avoid the phone altogether. So. <clears throat> You know, after you make an initial appointment by phone, um, ask them if there's a way to communicate by email or even text. And, you know, 
use the patient online portals as well. They are often the fastest way to get a basic question answered directly by a physician. So many of these ins- these uh, providers, these doctors, these medical groups have a way for you to go online or email your physicians. And that's an easier way for them to get you information back. Remember, all these folks have smartphones on them. So it's easy for them to walk out after they've seen a patient, go into the hallway, look at the email and respond. So sometimes they'll wait and go to their office. But that's really good use of your time using the patient portals and emails. And as for doctor's appointments, it's kind of like everywhere else. Mondays and Fridays are often the busiest days in doctor's offices. If you have flexibility, avoid those days. Tuesday through Thursday are generally going to be your best bets uh, where you're going to have the least amount of weights. And also, one of the things that can help you is to get the first appointment of the day. The later in the day that you arrive, the more likely you're going to wait because doctors are playing catch up due to delays of either overscheduling, emergencies, and other factors. So, you know, try to get the first appointment of the day. And this helps as a caregiver as you're planning out. So you're kind of planning out on your calendar and always try to get the first appointment of the day because if you're the first in, Uh, You could be one that the doctor spends a little extra time with if you have a little thing there. So so I always try to get the first appointment of the day, Tuesday through Thursday. Now, always ask for advice. If you or someone you care for has trouble waiting, speak up when you call for the appointment. You know, some people can't sit for long periods of time. You really want to be clear. Uh, You might say something like, I'm making this appointment for my dad. My dad has dementia. You know, he gets really agitated when he's waiting. So please give us an appointment where it's least likely that he's going to be waiting. So really, you know, have your communication with them and tell them and let them know what can happen and they will accommodate you as best they can. And they understand that and they'll appreciate it. It's working with them and that shows they're, they'll be working with you. Now you may, uh, you know, sometimes you can call ahead. If you know, a certain doctor runs late, sometimes call to see if they're on schedule before you leave for your appointment. Uh, Because they're not going to call you and notify you. She says they might not mind you showing up later when the doctor is is delayed. So if if it's a little bit delayed uh, and you call ahead, they're not really going to mind. So another thing that you may want to do uh, is consider different doctors or locations. Um, You know, what you really want to do is you want to ro- go to physicians and offices that are run well. Really, most people don't want to switch doctors. 
what you want to do is make sure that you get in and work with your doctor and work with what they have and then do the Tuesday through Thursday, do the first appointments. Now, I know despite everyone's best efforts, sometimes you'll end up waiting longer than you like at times. Um, You know, and and sometimes what you should be doing is asking uh, when there are long waits, you want to ask questions. So after a wait of like 15, 20 minutes in an outer waiting room, you know, I feel it's perfectly appropriate to ask the staff for an update. Uh, I've walked out myself uh, with my mom when we weren't getting taken care of. But, you know, you need to make an informed decision about whether you want to continue to wait or not. And while you may not want to walk away from a long-awaited specialist visit, rescheduling sometimes makes sense, right? So if it's you're sitting there more than 15, 20 minutes in the outer waiting room, go up and ask. And if it's not something that needs to be dealt with immediately and it can be rescheduled, maybe even for the next day, um, you may consider that. And another thing is that, uh, you know, you want to cup prepared. So I know that when I would go with my mom and, and prior, sometimes when I would go with my dad, there, I would bring snacks, water, uh, and any medications or medical supplies that they could be may have needed during the wait, um, kind of used to prepare for the worst. You know, I was a Boy Scout, so I was always prepared. Um, but I think that should be, you know, anybody's motto. You're going to the doctor. You're going trying to get there where you have the least amount of weight. Being prepared also means bringing your questions and your notepad and paper to write with. Because if you are the caregiver, sometimes you want to be the one that they're talking to, uh, especially if your health plan has you as someone that's going to help make decisions. So really, you know, be prepared. And and one thing that I've, you know, it's taken me a many, many years of my life is um, bring, you know, bring your patients uh, because sometimes your patients will be tested and bring some distractions. So, you know, uh, bring some reading material or some other uh, in-person appointment. Um, or when I used to go with my mom, uh, I played Candy Crush and, um, you know, got so addicted to it. I'm, uh, I still play it today. But with that said, you know, you want to be really prepared. You want to have planning. Create your planning around these visits. Um, If someone has issues like dementia and they get agitated and they don't like to wait long, have that communication with the provider's office because there's a lot of pressure put on caregivers. And I was one myself and I understand this. And you need to have your own sanity. And the more you can do to have things scheduled, be flexible, be patient because not everything is perfect. And if you can do that, it's going to help you with the people that you're taking care of. And it's going to make the transitions a lot easier. So I like to be bringing you information other than just Medicare this, Medicare that. So stick around. We're going to go take a break. We have to pay for this show. We'll be right back. 
listening. No, we're not referring to roses, but everything you need to know about Medicare. We know Medicare. That's their name. If you're 65 or older, we know Medicare is your resource for Medicare insurance. We know Medicare specializes in all Medicare-related products because one size does not fit all. Changes in Medicare plans occur every year. What's Part D? What's Medicare supplement insurance? Does my current insurance cover my needs? Do I have to change doctors with my new insurance plans? Does the plan include prescriptions? There are many options out there. We know Medicare can help you understand the differences and find the right plan for you. Their goal is to help protect your health and finances by choosing the right plan. What's in a name? Well, a lot with We Know Medicare, your advocate for health care needs. Learn more at WeKnowMedicare.org. Then call them and request a no-cost consultation. 877-346-2060. That's 877-346-2060. 877-346-2060. We Know Medicare may not offer every plan in your area. Any information they provide is limited to the plans they do offer in your area. Please contact Medicare.gov or 1-800-MEDICARE to get information on all your options. And now more of We Know Medicare with Dan Larry. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you topped off your coffee. I sure did. You know, I just wanted to bring some, uh, you know, tie up the last segment here. And, and, you know, I'm talking about preparing, um, trying to keep your visits very short at the doctor's office, or at least being the waiting times being short and the types of strategies you can take. But, you know, someone asked me the other day, well, hey, why do the doctors run late, Dan? And, well, there's a myriad of reasons. And I think it's important to to talk about that because these are the realities and it's pretty simple. So some of the most common causes why doctors are late is there's overscheduling and doctors often are under a lot of pressure to see a certain number of patients each day to meet revenue targets. So their staffs may schedule more patients that can comfortably be seen, uh, betting that maybe some won't show up. It's kind of like what the airlines do. Um, then really the other things are uh, emergencies and other, other unexpected issues. So doctors sometimes must handle patient emergencies in the office. And even more commonly, patients who come in for uh, one thing raise additional issues that uh, take more time to address, which is why uh, I suggest getting the first appointment of the day, Tuesday through Thursday. And um, there are late patients. So sometimes one's wait is the result of the cumulative delay caused by other patients who show up past their appointment times or too late to fill out pre-visit paperwork. So those are some of the, the reasons that cause doctors to run late. There's a myriad of them uh, as well. <clears throat> but again, you know, like I was saying earlier segment, you know, have the patients be prepared. But I want to switch from that and talk to you about uh, what mental health care does um, uh, with Medicaid or Medicare and question that was uh, came to me from uh, Tola, 
Uh, she says, Dan, what mental health care does Medicare cover? I have anxiety and depression, and my primary care provider recommended I see a therapist or a psychiatrist. Well, thanks, Tola. Um, I just wanted to say um, <clears throat> mental health care is something that we all need to to really um, take care of. And, you know, uh, Chris Snyder from the Alzheimer's Foundation stated, you should have a checkup from the neck up. And I think that's really uh, important to what we're going to talk about. And so uh, Medicare covers both inpatient and outpatient mental health care. And Medicare prescription drug plans cover medications used to treat mental health conditions. But be sure to check uh, their formulary, that's their drug list, to ensure that the brands and dosages you take are included. That's important. Not that they cover the drugs uh, and dosages, but the ones that you take. Now, Medicare Part B covers outpatient mental health care, and it includes services such as individual and group therapy, uh, substance use disorder, tests to make sure you were getting the right care, occupational therapy, activity therapies that's like art, dance, music therapy, training and education on like how to inject a needed medication or education about your condition, um, family counseling to help with your treatments. You're tying in, you have family caregivers, you have other caregivers, so there can be treatment uh, for you and counseling for them to help with your treatment. There's laboratory tests, prescription drugs that you can't administer yourself, such as injections that a doctor must give you, and an annual depression screening. So you want to be sure to uh, ask any provider you see if they take your Medicare insurance before you begin receiving services. And uh, if they don't, you'll uh, likely be responsible for the full cost of the care. Now, psychiatrists are more likely than any other type of physician to opt out of Medicare, meaning Medicare will not cover any of the cost of the care from those doctors. Additionally, not all non-medical providers like psychologists or clinical social workers are Medicare certified. So if you happen to need a list of providers near you who accept Medicare, you can simply go to medicare.gov forward slash care dash compare, and that will put you into the place where you can actually uh, click around and find providers. Now, Medicare Part A covers inpatient mental health care uh, that you receive either in a psychiatric hospital, that's a hospital that only treats mental health patients, or a general hospital. Uh, Your provider should determine which hospital setting you need. And if you receive care in a psychiatric hospital, Medicare covers up to 190 days of inpatient care in your lifetime. So if you have used your lifetime days but need additional mental health care, Medicare may cover your care at a general hospital. So um, Medicare Part D covers most prescription drugs. 
uh, used to treat mental health conditions. Now, you may have a Part D coverage through a Medicare Advantage plan or through a standalone Part D plan. But all Part D plans must cover at least two drugs from the most drug categories and must cover all drugs available in certain categories, including antidepressants and antipsychotic medications. So when you look at this, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, you have here is mental health is one of the things that is generally not discussed usually in a doctor's visit. But, you know, when we talked about uh, the information that we're hearing, you know, about substance disorders, uh, group therapies, occupational therapy, family counseling, you know, an annual depression screening, these are all important things for one's uh, health. And, you know, Many of these um, insurance plans out there have this available for you, have, covers mental health. And, you know, if, if you do need help, uh, really reach out and ask for different treatments. You can have anxiety, depression. Uh, your primary care provider may recommend that you see a therapist. Um, sometimes in those Medicare Advantage plans, that's in, will be considered part of their network, and they'll have specialists that can help you with that. So it's really important that you really reach out to someone. Um, and if you're a caregiver and you have someone that you feel needs help, always reach out. And, you know, I think it's important that, you know, we have these discussions And we are open about that because, you know, mental health can affect your overall health. And I've seen that. I've seen it through Alzheimer's. I've seen it through different entities and different individuals. So please reach out to your provider um, when you need help like that. So, you know, we always are talking about interesting things on the show and, I'm sure many of you are aware, but some folks aren't aware that um, some time ago, uh, if you are, um, as you age in and for Social Security, it used to be that you would retire at 65 and you would get your Medicare at 65. And so there's been changes in Social Security. And now, you know, Social Security uh, for folks that were born from 1943 to 1954, their retirement is age 66. And then it's tiered from 1955 to 1959 that it's like 66 and two months and four months, six months, eight months, 10 months. And then if you were born in 1960 and later, your actual Social Security retirement age um, is 67. And so, you know, there's a crossroads right there. You're, you're, you turn 65, you're not going to get your social security yet, but yet you have to take Medicare. So you may still be working and you have 
65, you're going to get your Part A. And then if you have credible coverage, you don't need to uh, get your Part B right then and there because uh, you do have credible coverage. And if you uh, don't enact your Part B when you become first eligible and you don't have creditable coverage, um, you will have a late enrollment penalty that will follow you for the rest of your life. So um, your initial enrollment into Medicare is three months before the month of and three months after your 65th birthday. But you can delay that as long as you have creditable coverage. And Again, you know, how do you understand those things? How do you navigate that? How do you understand, you know, hey, I'm turning 65, but yet I'm still working. And, you know, do I have creditable coverage? Well, you know, one thing that you can do is you can go on to WeKnowMedicare.org. Uh, and we have a lot of information on there for you to review. You can go to Social Security's website. You can go to Medicare.gov's website. You can look at a lot of information there on Social Security on Medicare. But when it comes to what do you do, how, making sure that you're credible, that you know you work with your HR department, maybe you have a group health, uh, group retiree, how does it intersect? Well, one thing is you can give us a call at 877-346-2060. Again, that's 877-346-2060. Or go on to weknowmedicare.org. There's buttons on there that says, call me. Uh, I want information. Uh, I need help. There's a lot of things that you can do on there. But what we are really wanting to do is to make sure that you have quality, affordable health care that's easy to access and simple to use. So, you know, we're going to go take a break. I'm going to go grab some more coffee. Stick around. We'll be right back. What's in a name? No, we're not referring to roses, but everything you need to know about Medicare. We know Medicare. That's their name. If you're 65 or older, We Know Medicare is your resource for Medicare insurance. We Know Medicare specializes in all Medicare-related products because one size does not fit all. Changes in Medicare plans occur every year. What's Part D? What's Medicare supplement insurance? Does my current insurance cover my needs? Do I have to change doctors with my new insurance plans? Does the plan include prescriptions? There are many options out there. We Know Medicare can help you understand the differences and find the right plan for you. Their goal is to help protect your health and finances by choosing the right plan. What's in a name? Well, a lot with We Know Medicare, your advocate for health care needs. Learn more at WeKnowMedicare.org. Then call them and request a no-cost consultation. 877-346-2060. That's 877-346-2060. 877-346-2060. We Know Medicare may not offer every plan in your area. Any information they provide is limited to the plans they do offer in your area. Please contact Medicare.gov or 1-800-MEDICARE to get information on all your options. And now more of We Know Medicare with Dan Larry. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. I wanted to give you some quick phone numbers here that will help you uh, at the Social Security. Um, their number in Washington State is 866-574-2323. That's 866-574-2323. 
They're located in Bellevue, uh, Washington. Uh, if you're listening in Oregon, uh, the Oregon Social Security Office is in Beaverton, and that number is 866-964-2036. Again, that's 866-964-2036. And, you know, as we're on this topic of numbers, uh, Medicare's number is 1-800-MEDICARE. That's 800 800- Six three three four two two seven, and for Medicaid in the state of Washington, that's Apple Health. Their phone number is eight hundred five six two three zero two two, and the Oregon Health Plan, that's Medicaid coverage in Oregon, their number is eight hundred six nine 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 zero seven five. Now it's always important to give you this information so that. You can have those numbers. You can find them, go on the website, get information from them directly. Those are great sources of truth. And that's where we get a lot of information. We use that to do research. We use the actual website, Social Security, uh, Medicare, uh, Medicare.org. The great, great sources of information. And what a better place to find that accurate information than from the source themselves. So, you know, with that, I wanted to talk a little bit here um, about the differences between Medicare and Medicaid. And, you know, Medicare and Medicaid are are two separate government-run programs. Uh, They are operated and funded by different parts of the government, and they primarily serve different groups, right? So Medicare is a federal program that provides health coverage if you are 65 plus or under 65 and have a disability, no matter your income. So Medicare is uh, 65 and over. And if if you're under 65 with a disability of two years or more, no matter what your income level is. Medicaid, it's a state and federal program together that provides health coverage if you have a very low income. And if you are eligible for both Medicare and Medicaid, that's known as duly eligible, you can have both. You can have Medicare and Medicaid. And they will work together to provide you with health coverage and lower costs. Also know that while Medicare and Medicaid are both health insurance programs administered by the government, there are differences in covered services and cost sharing. So, you know, make sure you call uh, Medicare or contact your Medicaid office to learn more about the Medicaid and Medicaid costs and coverage, especially if you're dual eligible. So if you want to find out how they cover those things, you can reach out to them. And a little bit about how the Medicaid overview is. Uh, So Medicaid is a federal and state program that provides health coverage for certain people with limited income and assets. Each state runs different Medicaid-funded programs for different groups of people. Now, these different groups can be older adults, people with disabilities, children, pregnant people, parents, and or caretakers of children. All states also have Medicaid programs for people with limited incomes and assets who need nursing home care, long-term care services, and home health care services. Some states also have programs for individual adults who don't fit 
any of these categories. Now, each state uses financial eligibility guidelines to determine whether you are eligible for Medicaid coverage. Generally, your income and assets must be below a certain amount to qualify, but this amount varies from state to state and from program to program. And you are eligible for Medicaid if you fall into any eligible group and meet the group's financial eligibility requirements. Remember, this Medicaid is has financial eligibility requirements. Now, if you are eligible for Medicare and Medicaid, that's duly eligible, you can enroll in both. Medicaid can cover services that Medicare does not, like long-term care. It can also pick up Medicare's out-of-pocket costs like deductibles, coinsurance, and copayments. Uh, some states offer uh, the Medicaid spend-down program or a medically needy program for individuals with income over their state's eligibility requirements. A spend-down program allows you to deduct your medical expenses from your income so that you can qualify for Medicaid. You're going to want to contact your local Medicaid office to learn if a spend-down available uh, for is available for you. <clears throat> and so, uh, if you're if you are eligible for Medicare and have sufficiently low income, you may qualify for help from a certain Medicaid program in your state. So it depends on what you are. So whether you qualify will depend on uh, your earned and unearned income. That's like wages, social security payments. And a look at assets, including checking accounts, stocks, and some property. And now there's some changes in the Medicare savings programs um, when you look at assets. And so you'll want to talk and look at that. That's going out there now in the state of Washington. Uh, there's a Medicare savings program. Um, your nursing care and long-term care needs. So you must meet uh, the state's functional eligibility criteria. That's the standards for assessing your need for help with activities of daily living. That's like uh, toileting, bathing, dressing. And every state has its own standards. And Medicaid programs vary by state, but there are three Medicaid programs available to Medicare beneficiaries in all states. Now, in all of these cases, if you have both Medicare and Medicaid, Medicare will pay first for covered services and Medicaid will pay second for qualifying costs. If you meet income, asset, and other guidelines in your state, you may qualify for one of the following Medicaid programs. There is the aged, blind, and disabled Medicaid. So those are beneficiaries with uh, its abbreviated acronym as ABD, Medicaid. Have coverage for a broad range of health services, including doctor visits, hospital care, medical equipment. Um, the aged, blind, and disabled Medicaid may also pay for your Medicare cost sharing. However, uh, ABD Medicaid may not provide adequate coverage if you have long-term care needs. The second type of program is called the Medicaid Home and Community-Based Services, that's HCBS, waiver programs. These uh, waiver programs provide general health coverage and cover for certain services to help you stay at home or in a community-based setting. 
for example, like in an assisted living facility. Those covered services may include personal care, homemaker services, case management, adult daycare, skilled nursing care, and therapy services. Now, to qualify, you must meet the state's specific functional eligibility criteria. And the third program is called the Institutional Medicaid. These are beneficiaries enrolled in Medicaid for residents in nursing homes, also called Institutional Medicaid. And they have coverage for nursing home services, including room and board, nursing care, personal care, therapy services. And to qualify, you must require a nursing home level of care or meet the state's specific functional eligibility requirement and criteria. So, you know, it's really uh, some basic things between Medicare and Medicaid. And Medicare is, for again, it's uh, uh, federal. If you're 65 or older or if you've had a disability um, two years or longer and it does not, your income does not matter. Uh, Medicaid, on the other hand, is uh, driven by income. It's a state and federal program that provides health coverage, and it is based on low income and assets, and it can provide uh, really great services for folks that fall into that category. Remember, we want quality, affordable health care that's easy to access and simple to use. <clears throat> and when folks uh, you know, become duly eligible and they are on Medicare and Medicaid, um, they are now falling into that category where they're getting quality, affordable health care and making it easy to access and, and simple to use. And so, you know, how do you uh, how do you work with Medicaid and how does it work with Medicare? And so, you know, uh, every state's different. And so I'll give you some examples of how Medicaid can work with Medicare. Um, Medicaid provides secondary insurance for services covered by Medicare and Medicaid, like and that would be like doctor's visits, hospital care, home care, and skilled nursing facility care. Um, so Medicare in this case is gonna be the primary payer and Medicaid becomes what's known as the payer of last resort. And um, when you visit a, your doctor or facility that takes both forms of insurance, Medicare is gonna pay the first and Medicaid may cover your Medicare cost sharing, including co-insurance and co-pays. And Medicaid can provide premium assistance. And many times, uh, if you have Medicare and Medicaid, you'll automatically be enrolled in the Medicare savings programs. And those Medicare savings programs pay uh, your Medicare Part B premium and may offer other assistance as well. Uh, Medicaid can provide cost-sharing assistance depending on your income. Uh, you may qualify for the qualified Medicare beneficiary. And um, if you do, then you do not pay for any Medicare cost sharing, which includes deductibles, co-insurance, and co-pays. And Medicaid can provide prescription drug assistance as well. So duly eligible individuals are automatically enrolled in, in the state's extra help program. And that helps reduce the cost of your prescription drugs. And uh, Medicaid and Medicare, they, they have managed care and they can offer great care coordination. So, you know, you call 1-800-MEDICARE. You can talk to them uh, about that. And you can reach out to us at, at wenomedicare.org. 
Again, go online to weknowmedicare.org or call us at 877-346-2060. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. I want you to tune in next week. We appreciate you listening to us. If you have questions about Medicare, Medicaid, anything, reach out to us, 877-346-2060. Be good people. Bye, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed today's broadcast of We Know Medicare. We Know Medicare is a dedicated resource and advocate for Medicare eligibles and independent of both individual insurance companies and Medicare itself, allowing them to provide unbiased assistance to Medicare recipients in need of a quarterly health care plan. Visit WeKnowMedicare.org to learn more. That's WeKnowMedicare.org. And tune in next week for more We Know Medicare. This pre-recorded program is sponsored by We Know Medicare.